0: Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Hello, is this on? Whoa, that is on. Got some fancy stuff. I love it. Well, as I said earlier, I'm Scott. I'm a pastor at New Fire Ministries. Many of you know me. Some of you don't. Like I said, you might like me. <laughs> you might not. I I, I love it because I said I'm good at preaching with kids and all that. We're we're used to it because you realize it's not just this church that there's a shortage uh, of, of helpers. So, um, yeah, it's it's uplifting to hear that it's not just our church. So <laughs> that's awesome. You know, I I. I have a sermon written out for you, so that's cool, but I I feel this, uh, yeah, uh, you guys are learning this culture of honor. I love that. It's an amazing thing, and I want to say, um, many of you who haven't been here, I used to come here uh, uh, many years ago, it was what, two years ago, uh, I was the youth leader here, uh, we were. On the worship team here, um, God was moving, uh, but the enemy was moving too. And (laughs) normally, when one happens, the others. And I am so, you don't know how amazing this is to be here. Because there was an incident between Chris and I, and I did not act honorably. I was uh, deceived and in a lie that the enemy was sharing and I believed that lie, and it it, it brought a division between Chris and I. Uh, In fact, Chris stepped away with a lot of that for over a year. In that year, God worked on me a lot. Um, He brought me into a new understanding, a new strength, which is like I said I, earlier, I, it doesn't matter what you're going through. One day you're going to look back and see where God was doing it, what He was doing in it, what the enemy meant for evil. He's going to turn around for good, and it happens every time. I don't care how dark it looks at that moment. But I was distraught and deceived. I felt betrayed because my own minds were putting things in scenarios that weren't even true, and I accused. I did not convict. I con- accused. Every right that your pastor here had to say, get thee behind me, Satan, he never said it to me. He loved me, embraced me, and he was hurt. We separated, didn't even talk for a full year. Um, I started feeling the the pull to come back uh, to reach out to him. And me, I'm very good at nonchalant, just weird, hey, man, do you have something like this? And I did. I reached out, hey, we're doing this. Do you have anybody who could help? And he was like, it's kind of weird. Uh, It opened up a door, and then we sat down with him, and I poured my heart out and apologized. And, you know, he did nothing wrong. All the fault was on me. And we've been working on a relationship. In fact, I think we're stronger than ever. Um, He has been such an encouragement and awesome, awesome man of God. And I'm saying, you guys are so blessed to have him as a pastor. And he did not pay me to say that. <laughs> um, you know, the thing when we were talking, he, he said, hey, don't worry. Not many people have been here, so they don't know the whole scenario and the story that goes. I was like, I don't care about that because that was a person who God has changed. I'm someone new. And it was fun because I was talking to Mike this morning. And, and, you know, God, he changes us, but not always all at once. Rarely is it all at once. There's things that he waits on because we're not ready. There's things that we struggle with and we're not ready. We're not ready. And, you know, I I was talking with somebody and I'll get into my sermon here in a minute. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I say I'm sorry a lot, but in reality, I am not sorry. (laughs) But we, we, I was talking to this gentleman a while back and, you know, we cannot doubt that our American Western culture church is hurting and not doing good, and so I was having this conversation with this man, and, you know, seeing if he was he was looking for a church, and our, our church is very similar to yours, and there's certain people, you're like, you're not ready for our church. Uh, he, he was one of them, but he, we were talking about it, and, and he said, you know, the church needs to preach. Send more, and that's the problem, and, you know, I thought about that for a minute, like, is that the problem? We know we have enough Pharisees telling us. We have enough of these laws and stuff telling us, yeah, you can't sin, you shouldn't sin. We know that, but yet we're still doing it. And I'm going to get into this a little more. Uh, This is kind of tying into the sermon here, but in reality, it is not a sin issue. It's a relation issue. Because I could never stop sinning before I surrendered to God. And it's like with the situation with Chris, I was in God, I was in his word, and God's word. I, I prayed to him all the time and I, I wanted his will in my life, but yet I messed up. And God allowed me to mess up. And then God worked on that and strengthened me. And I've seen the Father's heart in a whole new way because of this circumstance. I see people differently because you can't look at where they're messing up at, man. You know, remove the log out of your own eye. You can't see a sliver in someone else's eye when there's a log there. And I might repeat some of this later, but the truth in the matter of this is the relationship with him is what calls us out the surrendering to him daily, picking up our cross daily and realizing where we're messing up. You can have all the knowledge of the world of the Bible and miss it. I know atheists who know the scriptures better than me. They can quote things. They can tell me where it's at. I'm dyslexic, so I get things mixed up. And I'm telling you, I know of people who are dyslexic Why you're proclaiming that because I'm lazy and I use it as my discernment. And I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I know. God's working on me. But the, the reality is it, it's the relationship with him that draws us out. Because you know those Pharisees that said crucify him? They knew exactly what the scripture said about the coming Messiah. Knowledge does nothing. They didn't get to know him. They didn't eat with him. They didn't sit with him. They didn't get to know him. If they would have, they would have seen it. It's love and relation, but you can't not have the knowledge, too, because without the knowledge, we can easily be deceived. You have to have both, but you cannot let one over the other. They are equally important. you got to step out of religion and get into relation. Anyway... I felt the need to say that to share what's going on is this is an amazing thing that I'm here because it, this is reconciliation done through God. And Chris could have easily said, "Yeah, you know, I, I forgive you, but I don't trust you," and he didn't. He said, "I forgive you, and hey, I'm out of town, and do everything here. <laughs> Not everything. It's fine." <laughs> and. It's funny because, you know, I, I'm nervous through worship because uh, I am not a worship leader. That is my wife's anointing. And I'm telling you, you're missing out because she's not here. Uh, you got Some of you know she just oozes the presence. It's not about talent. It's about the anointing. And she is so anointed. She's talented, too. I'm not saying she's not because I'm pretty sure this is recorded. <laughs> she is extremely talented. But it's the anointing that sets it up above, and that that goes with the same. You get the anointing through the relationship of knowing the anointer. But I am just at all right now, honestly. You know, I'm nervous with worship, and God moves anyway because you got to get out of your own way. And it's like I said, all we have to do is step in because it's already happening. You can be a, get on the bus or you can wait. You know, but um, we're gonna talk about what I prepared, and it's funny. I prepared two messages for you. The first one was great, and I write things out. Like I said, I'm dyslexic, Um, not only with what I read, but sometimes what I hear, things get turned around in my head, and I hear differently, so I really have to take time. However, where I use it as discernment, it's when God wants me to read or do something, it's clear as day. It's awesome. I've read the Bible. I'm on my ninth time through it. And I don't get things mixed up in that because that's what God wants me to do. I've read certain books. Once I tried reading a book and it wasn't time for that book and I couldn't make sense of it. I was like, it was saying the cow, the this that. I'm like, these aren't words. These are symbols. I don't know what's going on. But then later on, God said, read that. And I read it and it was clear as day. Why? Because that's what he wants to do. He's like, this is is for you. I'm gonna make sure you read it. So (laughs) I'm not saying God give me dyslexia because I don't think he did because it's the curse of the enemy, but he's using it. And I could easily give it up and be healed from it and just use discernment with the spirit, but I I struggle with laziness. It's so much easier when I just like, well, I can read it, so God must want me to read it. And you know, it's great with with conversations too, he does that. It's so much clearer one-on-one with conversations that are about him than just random. I mean, you talk to me about politics. I'll be looking at you like you're speaking in Chinese because I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I, I understand what's going on. I know God needs to move, but as far as everything else goes, I'm just like, well, just put Jesus in it. That, that, just put Jesus in it. I don't understand. Why are we so upset? Just put Jesus in it. And, but yeah, so anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 it, it's a weakness, but you know what the enemy meant for evil? He's going to do for good. So, and I'm really good, some of you know this, at, at rabbit trails, which is why I stick to my script. But this is the second thing I wrote for you. The first one I wrote, and I read it over, read it over. I felt good about it. And then on Fridays, no, it's not for this place. It's a good word, maybe for another time. So we started over, did a whole different thing, and hope you enjoy it. So that wasn't the sermon. Are we ready? All right. So as I was speaking with Pastor Chris this week, we briefly spoke on where this body is going in teaching and in message. And I absolutely, like I said, absolutely love the topic you guys are on. Um, uh, Chris said you guys are in a season of learning about culture of honor. And I'm, I'm so excited to speak about this because this is something I feel is really lacking in the church. Um, and before I even start, I'm going to say a verse, and at first it's going to make no sense. It's not going to make any bit of sense. But I am going to come back to it, and later, hopefully, it'll make sense. I'm, not, I'm going to say, "Don't worry uh, uh, about today, it, it, about my rants. If they sound crazy, you guys are blessed. You only have to endure today. So, <laughs> I might not be back. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, that verse is Matthew 16:18. I'm going to read it out of the ESV, because I just like how it flows. Um, I do recommend dive into every single interpretation, and just dive into that, and then take it back to the Hebrew, just saying that. Uh, I'll tell you why later. (laughs) But Matthew 16, 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, now we're going to go back to honor. (laughs) In the Old Testament, the word honor is chavad, chavad. And in context found in Exodus, it means to be honorable, noble, prevail, promote, and interesting enough, in Genesis 13-2, the same word is used to describe Abraham as rich when explaining Abraham's cattle, gold, and other belongings. Now, to look somewhere else, this very same word could actually mean the actually opposite of that spectrum as to be burdensome, heavy, used in a sense. And why is this important? I have no idea. Well, let's look at the word chavah. Got to say it with a ch. It's a K, so it's a ch, I think, I hope. (laughs) Uh, With comparison here, everything it seems to be is an extreme. The word honor in the Old Testament is an extreme. You're not wealthy, but you're rich. You're not enduring, but prevailing. So you're not slowing someone down, but you're burdensome. It's an extreme. Now, the word is above and beyond the normal. Even in Hebrew or the Aramaic version, uh, uh, version yeah, it's a version, I guess. <laughs> Abraham wasn't just blessed, he was chavad blessed, above and beyond. We get this understanding here? Okay, I hope so. <laughs> Now, since the New Testament's a thing, which I love it's a thing, we're going to look at the ancient Greek for the word of honor as well and to compare. In 1 Peter chapter 2, or yeah, 1 Peter 2 chapter 17, the word used there is <laughs> I'm bad at pronouncing Greek and I'm really sorry. to tamao, tama'o, not tomato, tomato, but tomato. And this means to prize or fix valuation upon. By revere. So not just respect, but to prize. Crazy, right? Uh, So it's also, like its Hebrew word, being above and beyond. What does this have to do with the rocks and the gates of hell? Absolutely nothing. I found that funny. So we're going to move on. But yes, we're going to tie it back into. Right now, it means nothing. There's no understanding of that. So at our church at New Fire, I I always love going back into the original language to better understand what Scripture means. Uh, As we will do a little bit later, we always have to go back to the beginning to understand the current. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and to come. He did it one way for a reason, So it's safe to say that what he's doing currently might have some similarities to what has been done, right? I mean, it's always good to know the past because it repeats. You're like, oh, hey, we know what's going on here. We see that, and never mind, I'm not going to get into that. (laughs) So it's safe to say, you know, that, that song, You've Never Failed Me Yet, I know that word yet, it's like, oh, but he won't fail. It's like, yeah, because you know he hasn't. He hasn't yet. It means he's not gonna, because he's the same yesterday, today, and to come. It's not going to change. He's not going to fail. So, okay. Understanding the Greek and Hebrew word for honor, we see a very obvious point that I made. I'm hoping it was obvious. <laughs> is that honor is something done that is above and beyond. And we're going to look at the military to kind of tie this in real quick. Do soldiers receive a Medal of Honor for showing up to roll call, cleaning their weapons, pointing their weapons at the correct targets, and eating their food, and doing what they're told without complaining? No. I mean, maybe some of us should get a reward for not complaining. (laughs) I point at myself. (laughs) No. The Medal of Honor is an extremely prestigious award that has actually only been handed out to 3,500 people in its 160 years there's been a lot more people who've served. It's been handed out for services that are above and beyond. When the soldiers who receive this award are asked about it, they always seem to say that they did what their country required of them. So honor comes with an amazing humility. Doing what is above and beyond without even thinking that is above and beyond because you think honorable is normal. Hmm. Honor seems to be living in the above and beyond without the mentality that it even is the above and beyond. These same soldiers saw it as they had no choice. It was either give all they had or let the enemy overcome them and the others that they were wanting to protect because they knew who they represented. And in almost every interview that I've seen, they thank God over their nation. Some men received the Medal of Honor in prison camps when they survived hardships and encouraged others to stand strong and believe. These people, when interviewed, say I never gave up hope that my country would find me and bring me home, alive or dead. And they knew God would take care of them regardless. That's... There's freedom and honor in that. Even though they were captive, they're still free because they were thinking of who he is. There's freedom and honor. It's not my point, but that that just came to me. So, since we brought up captivity, well, I did, and you guys are listening to me, so that's awesome. I'm going to focus on two separate stories and two different people who showed honor in the Old Testament. First, we're going to look at Joseph. Joseph. Joseph of the Old Testament, not the New. We know this story very well, focused in Genesis. Brothers jealous of Joseph, set him up, trapped him, sold him into slavery. Joseph could have thrown a fit, tried to escape, returned home with a vengeance. However, he didn't. Not only did he not, but he accepted his fate and served his God where he was, knowing his God is bigger than his situation. And sometimes this would work, or somehow this would work for a greater good. Joseph, who was wronged, he was wronged. He served his captor so well that his captor succeeded amazingly. And this in his land. And so much so that his first captor, his wife, saw that, wanted a little something, something. And Joseph acted honorably. And once again, Joseph was imprisoned. Joseph honored God in his situation again. And started honoring the jailer, who loved keeping him in captivity because as long as Joseph was there, he was succeeding really well. Joseph loved him. Crazy. Eventually, Joseph, after a very long time, uh, I couldn't believe how long he was in prison, uh, gave up, never gave up. He uh, uh, got to interpret a dream that led him to the pharaoh, And ended up becoming the second most powerful person in Egypt. Which in turn ended up saving his very family that betrayed him. Because without Joseph being in Egypt, the Pharaoh's dream would have never been noticed. And famine would have wiped out Israel's tribe. There's a bigger picture there. Next we're going to look at Daniel. At a young boy, Daniel's home was destroyed. His family was killed and everything he knew and loved he was taken away from. He was taken into captivity by the very people who destroyed the temple that he loved so much and worshipped God in. So Daniel fought, cried, and ran away. No, he didn't. they Did I just died. There we go. Sorry. Daniel not only served the king, the king who took him so well that that king prospered, He even served the king that took over for that king and that after. Daniel did so because he knew who his God was and he took time to pray to him and thank him, knowing that only God blesses. Daniel honored the king so much that when the king was tricked into passing a law that Daniel could not follow because of who God was, Daniel accepted the punishment and told the king basically, hey, it's not your fault. It was me who disobeyed because I couldn't not pray to my God. And I accept that punishment because I know who my God is. And no matter what, my God will prevail. And we know what happened in that Daniel's lion's den. He was honored and set free and and saved. But Daniel didn't know that was going to happen. He went in there to honor that same king who passed a law that he could not follow. This is stepping on toes. It steps on my toes, don't worry. Now there are three very common factors between the soldiers and the Medal of Honor and Joseph and Daniel. Do you guys see any of them? Joseph knew who he represented. Daniel knew knew who they represent. Okay. We get that. All three of those, Daniel, Joseph, and the soldiers, knew what they represented, who they represented. All of this is possible because they knew the power at work. So, this comes to an entirely different question on how to show honor, and that is knowing something. To understand this, let's go to the beginning, as I told you we were going to do. The beginning is fun. So I'm going to start over and read it again, because I don't think everybody got it. Are we awake? No. Okay, so what does this actually mean? Go to the beginning. In the Old Testament, when a husband and wife married, it would say that they knew each other <laughs> and bore children. Don't worry, it's going to be PG and okay for kids. Genesis 4.1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, "I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord." She's saying, "Cain was the man, not, hey, I got Adam because of the help of the Lord." She was blessed because of the offspring. It's okay to laugh at me. I do. <laughs> this word "new," in Hebrew or ancient uh, uh, Aramaic, is yada, yada. Y A D A in our English. And it's very similar to another word that I actually did a while back on a a series of worship months ago, which is called Yada, which means to lift your hands in worship. Interesting, huh? The root of lifting your hands in worship is to know. Hmm. Anyway, that's not the point, but that's kind of cool. But Yada is the root of that word, and it means to know, recognize, admit, acknowledge, to have a skill, to have knowledge of, to be revealed or to know by experience. I like that one. And interestingly enough, the word yada is also used when Adam and Eve discovered that they were naked in Genesis 3.7, and also in Genesis 3.22, when God said, they know good and evil. The word was same, yada. Now, in the case of Adam knowing his wife, it was the Old Testament regular uses known for a sexual knowledge. The knowledge of husband and wife is an extremely intimate act. Husband and wife are no longer two, but one. I'm going to say, before I go on with this, let's remove our worldly way of thinking. I'm not saying that God's calling us to get with him. I'm not saying that. It's nothing to do with the sexual part. So we're going to remove that from our heads. It's really hard to remove intimacy when the world has told us what intimacy is, because that is not intimacy so, what I am saying, wait, <laughs> before I go, on, we need to remove our worldly way of thinking and realize that I'm not saying God is calling us to do the thing with Him. That being said, we're going to look on what I just said about this. The knowledge of husband and wife is the most intimate thing. Why? Because in that moment, we are both at our most vulnerable states, nothing is hidden from each other, and our most vulnerable parts are there in the open. Our deepest things that we hide from everybody else is right there. It's a show of trust, openness, and gentleness. And this is actually kind of why God was so betrayed when he came and noticed Adam and Eve were hiding from him. In other words, they lost their trust in him and became aware of their vulnerability I'm vulnerable. I'm hiding from you, God. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Who? Why have you removed yourself from me, basically? When man knew God, God in the garden, he walked with them side by side. He spoke with them face to face. He experienced all he was and they with him without any fear. It was man's awareness of our vulnerability that took us out of knowing God, experiencing God. We went from being one with him to being ripped apart from him, and we hid. And I say we, because I guarantee you, if any of us were back there, we probably would have done the exact same thing. Can't sit there and say, how stupid was Adam? How stupid was Eve? We didn't know. They don't know what we know. If we were back there knowing what we know, maybe it'd be different. I don't know. But I guarantee you, we would have messed up. Why? Because it was in his plan. (laughs) See, we still do this today. We hide. When God is calling us to a deeper intimacy in him. However, we hide things from him. We say things like, I really enjoy doing this, so I'm not going to give it up. I'm not ready to give this up yet. I know the scripture says that, but I just don't want to do that. I'm going to keep this part hidden in the bushes. Now, God can speak to me through the bushes, absolutely. And he's patient and he waits. He still calls us out too, like he did in the garden. Adam, Adam, come. Walk with me. Eve, Eve, come. Experience me. Know me. He's calling us to be vulnerable with him. He's calling us to know him deeply and become one with him. Act in unison with his plan, much like Joseph and Daniel. They knew they were in captivity. However, they were still closer to God. They didn't care. I'm sure they did to an extent, and they sure, like Daniel longed to go back home. He longed for it, but he was where he was because he knew God had him there. I don't think Daniel ever did go back. I don't think it, it wasn't until, uh, I, I, I have a theory that the wise men were actually descendants from Daniel because of the location they were at, and they were looking for signs and wonders for the Messiah. How else would they know that, Right? So you can even look at Daniel suffered through that just so the wise men could come see Jesus. There's a bigger picture. Amazing. God says, hide nothing from me, and I will keep nothing from you. This is amazing. In Jeremiah 33, it says, call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He's saying, call to me. Answer me, and I will show you all I am. I am God, creator of heavens and earth. You have it all. Just ask. Just ask. God's saying, come to me, and I will build you up. I will bear fruit in you, and I will show you all you need to know. Come on. And we hide. I don't want God to see this. I don't want God to see this struggle. You can go back. Matthew 16, 18, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There it is again. So understanding everything that I'm saying here. Why are we living in an age where the church seems to be losing ground? where the idea of honor seems so hard to grasp in churches locally that people don't even seem to care. Pornography is running rampant in the churches. Divorces, adultery. No one seems to care. Why? I mean, a gossip is another one. We use gossip in prayer requests something God says he hates. We we, we consider showing up to a Sunday meeting more than enough. That's what our walk is, God. I come to church on Sunday. That's my walk. We feel we're owed so many things. And, And when things go wrong, instead of seeking out where God is, we put up walls and block things out because things are hard right now, so it must mean God's not involved. We take ourselves and hide in the bushes, too afraid to get out and walk with him when he is calling out, Adam, Adam, come and eat with me. Eve, Eve, come enjoy me. We're hiding. We're hiding. And I will say that the gates of hell are not prevailing against the church. Why? Jesus said it will not happen. However if the people were to look where they're standing, they may notice their feet aren't even on the rock. How can we be honorable when we haven't even taken the time to know the one who's most honorable? We don't hide in shame anymore. We don't. Jesus set us free. We aren't under captivity. Jesus set us free. There is now for no condemnation. Jesus set us free. And as we look at Joseph and we look at Daniel, freedom is not about our physical state. Joseph was free when he was imprisoned. Daniel was free when he was imprisoned because it was who his God was that made him free, and knowing who his God was set him that way. How can we be honorable when we don't take time to know him? We don't become honorable without him because we can't do it on our own strength. Jesus paid the price. Why? Because a price needed to be paid. And maybe the reason the church seems to be losing so much ground is because we're trying to do so many things on our own without the one who strengthens us. In a, a, a John 14, it says, If you love me, I love this verse, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will say, or send you another helper to be with you forever. There's a word forever. When Jesus says that, it must mean forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells within you and he will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while as the world sees me no more, but you will see me because I live in you and you also in me. First of all, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. It does not say keep my commands to prove you love me. Just want to point that out. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Don't don't follow the rules or show me you love me. No, follow me and love me and I will give you the strength to do that because we can't do it on our own. There's a whole entire Old Testament that proves that countless times. You can follow the law for a little bit or you're going to start lacking again. Why? Because in great times you become lazy. I don't need to do that. We're, we're pretty good. Our nation's that way right now. We're so great. Look how great everything we have. We're so blessed. And God's like, hello, here I am. Kind of moving without me here. (laughs) Enough of that. (laughs) I love that. I will not leave you as orphans. We're adopted in him. Why do we even think we have a reason to hide? I am in you and you in me. Come, walk with me. The strength is in you. Stop worrying about the works and lean in me who will do the works with you and for you. So crazy. I love that. It's knowing him is what gives us the ability, first of all, to live by the law. It's only knowing Him because He fulfilled the law and in knowing Him because He is love and love is the fulfillment of the law. The scripture says that. So how do we do all this? Well, we love Him. And in loving Him, we're given the strength to obey and do the other things because we see a whole different entire world. We don't see it as, oh, I have to do that. I have to uh, do the Sabbath and all those good things. No, when you become... With him, you're like, man, I get to do these things. And he gives you that strength. It's like, God, I love you. I want to do this. And I see these sinners who are so lost and hurt. I want them to know you because I know you. That's the only way you're going to reach anybody is let them see Christ in you. I know Chris has said it. I say it many times. Truth without love is a brick to the face. And it is seen as condemnation. And if it's seen as condemnation by anybody, guess what it is? his condemnation. It's a spirit who convicts, not me. I speak the love of Christ and what he's done in my life because it's that that will convict them to want to know that same person. Getting off topic, but it's still on topic. It is in his strength through the helper that we know him who is promised to us forever, by the way. And once we know him, we become one With him, where it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Then it isn't about you. That's the hard thing we got to get out of. It's not about you. (laughs) I struggle with that, but I want it to be about me. Everything changes when you dive into him in this intimacy. Everything changes. You see the bigger picture. You see that although I may suffer for a little while, there's a bigger thing coming out of this. Although Joseph was imprisoned several times in his captivity, accused of things he didn't do, he became second in command and saved an entire nation It was bigger than him because his God is bigger than him, just like our God is bigger than us. And in that intimacy, we dive in to the power that that God has given us and we get to use it for kingdom work, which grows his kingdom, which changes nations, which saves the lost. It's not our condemnation. It's not our opinions. It's not our understanding. We do not lead on our own understanding. It is definitely not our knowledge. It is our God. And it is the love that he showed us. And we have no excuse not to show other people. It is in him that we are strengthened. Not because of him we are strengthened. It is in him that we are strengthened. How many times do you see that scripture? Lord, Lord, I've done this in your name. I've done this in your name. And he says, go away. I never knew you. Those people had knowledge. They had knowledge enough to use some spiritual gifts, cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead. They didn't know him. He has a hierarchy. His power responds to him. The enemy responds to him. So yes, when you declare the name of the Lord, things will happen, but it doesn't mean you know him. It is the intimacy of taking time to speak with him, meditating on his word day and night, listening for him, saying, God, where are you? I need you. I want to walk with you. I don't want to hide in the bushes. Here I am. Take me all. That is the intimacy he's calling you to. That is the intimacy that will pull you out of the struggles and actually it will give you joy in the struggles. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Love that verse. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When you have joy going through the hardest times, man, it confuses the heck out of the enemy. <sighs> I had a point here. <laughs> you know, we can't let circumstances judge when we get close to God. He says, I will make a table amidst your enemies. Doesn't mean we're not going to have enemies. Doesn't mean we're going to not have a battle. During that battle, we get to sit with him and be fed with him. While we're still fighting the battle. In the midst of the enemies, I'm going to feed you. Set a table. Come on. What an amazing promise is that. No matter what comes against me, you're still going to supply every need I have. And it's that intimacy. That intimacy. of man, there's so many things in the scripture of eating with one another. Eating with one another. Such a beautiful thing. Jesus did it so much that they called him a glutton right? <laughs> he ate with so many people. I'm not saying he was fat, because I'm sure he was walking around a lot, but he ate with so many people. Why? Because that was a chance to get to know people. That was the entertainment. That's what people did. Not only that, they served together. They, they would build a tent to eat together. They would help with the food. They would do that. It would become a knowing of one another. You want to know somebody, work with them for a day. Really? <laughs> you, might, you might not like them. <laughs> So we can't let circumstances judge that. And he's saying, he sets a, a table in our enemies. <laughs> I'm speaking in Hebrew now. speaking in tongues, that's what it was. And God says, I will make a table in the midst of your enemies, and your enemies, even when your enemies are gone, I'm still going to feed you. I'm going to feed you and prepare you, is what he's saying. I'm going to feed you and prepare you. I'm giving you everything you know. I'm going to leave you with this. You know, uh, before I do this, that do we understand this? Our strength is in intimacy with him. The gates of hell are not prevailing. We might just need to readjust where we're standing. And that's in our own life. If the enemy keeps coming after you time and time again, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the wrong thing because when the enemy notices you, you should rejoice in that because you've done something to be noticed. I mean, our little tiny church has been attacked several times, and I, I'm like, yay, <laughs> Satan knows we're here. Hey, that's great. Now what? It, it's scary, but at the same time, it's like, awesome, you know, because during that, you realize, I need to lean into you, God, because we need to know how to handle this. And, and I mean, we've come against some really vicious things, and we haven't lost a single member through it, because we, we go to God. We've come through accusations, we go to God, we sit down, we talk about it, and it's done. We forgive, never happened. It's done. Why? Because God's word tells us to not argue with one another. I mean, it's through him that it even says, don't even argue about the law. The scripture says, don't even argue about the law. You you might not agree on things. Oh my gosh, that's right. We might not. Different cultures, different understandings. I might be wrong. You might be wrong. Whatever. I'm going to lean on what I know. Jesus Christ is the only way. And I can't do anything without him. I don't think anybody can disagree with that in here. If not, then I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) Because we can't. We can't do it without him. And it's knowing him that gets us there. It is knowing him that gives us that strength. It is this intimacy that he is calling. And I'm going to say this in this Western culture church where we are right now. God is calling us to get to know him. Reality is setting in that without him, things are crumbling. Do you realize that the government is doing many things that the church is supposed to be doing? Do we realize that? Who's taking care of the homeless? And the government is, and they're failing. And the church is sitting there, well, it's the government's job. No, it's been our job. Read the scriptures. It's been our job. It is our job. Why? Because that's what Christ did. We have widows out there who have nowhere to go, don't know what to do. And the church is like, well, I can't be bothered with that because I have to do this thing up here. You know, worship is amazing. It's an awesome thing. But if it distracts from what we're doing, it just became an idol. Just became an idol. We don't, I'm not saying this body, by the way. This is not a judgment against anyone here. I know you guys, and I know you're not there. I, I, I love it. We need to get our feet back on the rock. And the only way to do so is by showing others how it's done. You can tell other church bodies they're wrong; <laughs> it will not end well with you. You can show them what God has done; that speaks more. Look at what God has done in this—the the word the, the of our testimony, Lamb. Come on, that's what the—that def- thats what tears things down. It's the word of our testimony. And who gives us a testimony? But God, how do we get a testimony? We know him. It is through our testimony that we know him. I have an amazing testimony. God pulled me out of sin and that in an amazing way. I know I said God doesn't always change people overnight, but he really did. <laughs> and is it okay if I share this before? How much time do I have? I don't know. All kinds of time. All right, everybody. Where you order some pizza and no, I'm before I close out with a word God gave me. I'm going to share my testimony and how it defeats the enemy. And my mom's right here; she'll to a lot of this. And uh, hi, mom. And, and I will say that if you if you are praying for anybody to find God or to change, do not give up. My mom prayed for thirty some odd years for this guy, and hopefully one day it will come pass. I came from a background, of a church background, but I was so forced into it, and it wasn't anything my parents did, but I saw it differently. Uh, they did great. They served in churches. It did cause them to be away from the family a lot, which ended up letting the enemy in. And I'm going to tell you something, as family, if you have kids and family, it does not mean not serve. It means bring them with you. Show them how it's done. Don't leave them at home. Bring them with you. Don't not do it. Bring them with you. If that was done, who knows what would change? They were honorable. I love them. They served really well for the church, but the enemy crept in where it's weak. And you know how it says the uh, enemy's like a lion? How does a lion attack? Surrounds, scares, and waits for the weak one. And then attacks. Satan's a lot like that. He will not attack the big body, but he'll wait for the stragglers. So don't straggle. Anyway, but through all that, I... Had a lot of hurt. There was sexual abuse that happened to me, physical abuse. I was bullied. Uh, I was bullied a lot because we were the poor kids in the rich neighborhood, and kids are freaking mean. And it really messed with me, and uh, my thought was, how could there be a God? My parents do all this stuff, and here I am suffering and just hate life. And uh, immediately, I moved out several times. (laughs) I keep moving back. Uh, (laughs) I moved out several times from the age of 16. Uh, Ran away several times. I had beautiful parents who uh, put up with me. A long time, and still do. And uh, I got into drugs, alcohol, sex, uh, you name it, I did it. Anything that could make me feel good, I did it. I started using people for me. I didn't care about anybody else. I took advantage of what I could. I was, I was the root of the word jerk. It was me. Um, I made a, a Jacob look like a saint um, when he stole things from his brother and did things that were destructive to his family. I was bad. I was bad. I won't get into the detail of everything, but you you, you think it, I probably did it. And I'm not bragging about that because I look back and it was pretty bad. Uh, I was very selfish, self-centered, only cared about number one, me, me, me. That's it. Didn't care about anything else. I uh, married had kids. I, I was having kids left and right. I am a man who stands up in front of you, and I have six kids that I know of, six kids that I have reached out to and tried to fix, and four I have. Um, not fix them, but fix relationships that I tore apart for my own actions, but that's later. Let me, let me jump ahead more here. Let me go back. Anyway, <laughs> this isn't written down. I'm sorry. So um, I was bad. I I. I remember my first kid I had, was in, I was in high school, I was 16 years old, or 17 years old, decided I'm going to join the military, change my life around. While I was gone, on basic training, the mother decided we're going to give him up for adoption since I was underage, had no say in the matter. That tore me up, pushed me further down into my self-destructiveness. I wanted to tear myself apart from inside. I attempted suicide, I can't even tell you how many times, but I could never really follow through with it because, hey man, if I can do this tomorrow and make me feel better. Because it wasn't about the right reasons at those were at time. I ended up getting, and I married three times, I think. One time wasn't even legal because I was already married to somebody else and married somebody else through that because, you know what, who cares, right? Just a piece of paper that was going to make myself be gratified through it until I was done. And I got married to another person, had two beautiful girls. Um, things were okay for a little bit with that one. But then my eyes started wandering and I started cheating a lot, a lot. I can't even tell you how many times. (sighs) And uh, she finally found out about one of them and left me. And that was okay. It didn't bother me too much. But it was when one of my best friends started dating her less than a week after she left me that something hit. And it wasn't like, how dare them, how dare them. It was like, how messed up of a person am I to where one of my best friends who's done so much with me and I've done so much for him would see that as okay. I started looking inwardly. I started getting convicted. I started looking at how screwed up am I? And at that, I start looking at everybody I started hurting, that I I hurt. And there's so many. There's so many. I I, I wish I knew their names because I would love to reach back out. But... I don't. I'm, I'm so lucky I'm not in prison for some of the things I did. I'm so lucky that I didn't get arrested for some of the things I did. It was God's favor was on me, whether I was in with him or not at that time. And that was just because somebody here was praying. So don't stop praying. That night when I found out about all this, I went to a hotel room. And it was different this time. My life had to end. I could not see a way out. I couldn't keep hurting people. I couldn't. I went and got a bunch of uh, 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 sleeping meds and started writing my suicide note. And it was definitely the not me. It's not you. It's me. I'm so sorry. I can't stop this kind of thing. And I was dead serious to do this. I was done. I, I, I couldn't get out of it. I couldn't. I knew that because several times I tried before. I was aware several times I would have a hardship and then go to church, then never know God, and then run away again. And as I'm sitting there, ready to go, I I even picked the hotel room because I didn't want anybody I know to find me and have them have that image of a dead body, of a dead dad, a dead brother, whatever I was to them. I didn't want that image. I was done hurting people. I knew they would see it. When I'm gone, things are going to be great. And then there's that word, but God. And one of the most traumatic things in my life happened. God spoke. And I say traumatic because when you're in the garden hiding in the bushes, you're aware of everything you are. And you're aware of everything he is. And you're aware of how far apart those are. God spoke loudly to me. I don't know if it was audible to anybody else, but to me, I heard it with these ears. And he said, I am not done with you yet. And I say it was traumatizing because it scared me straight. <laughs> and I tell you what, I felt the presence of God, and he was pure, holy, love, every good thing you could think of, you felt it. And in that very moment, I felt everything I was not. And I had to know who that was. Who, in their right mind, who's pure and holy like that, would even look at me. And not only look at me, speak to me, saying, I'm not done with you. It was like, what do you have for me? I remember I ended up calling my mom because I was still kind of going to do it, but the Holy Spirit worked through her. We ended up going over Romans Road. Uh, I, I, and one of my first acts of Christians, I stole the Bible out of the hotel. But that night, everything changed. It really did. Everything changed. There was addictions that were gone. I was done. No longer wanted to do drugs. I didn't even care about sex anymore. I didn't care about anything of that. I wanted to know this guy who called out to me. I had to know him. There were some things that took time for him to take out of me. I smoked for a long time. He took that out. I'm not saying smoking is a sin, but maybe it is. But (laughs) I'm not pointing at anybody. I'm just saying, don't worry about it. Let God take it. Just be open with him, he'll take it. Um, There was things that I had to figure out, I had to learn, I had to know, and I had to forget a lot. Um, I ended up going six years celibate, single, just knowing him. Every waking hour I had, I wanted to know him. I dove into him every chance I get. I read the scriptures, I read them, but there wasn't as much fulfillment in just reading as the meditating later. What does this mean, God? What does this mean to you? What does it say about you? Who are you in this? You start finding so much more when you start digging in. I don't even care if it's for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever perish. You know the verse (laughs) that I just brain dead forgot. Just study that for a whole year seeking God. Meditate on that. You're going to find him. And that's going to have so much more meaning to you than it ever did. You're gonna see God differently when you do these things. Why do I know that? Cause I did. I changed. And you know the crazy thing is that woman that I ended up cheating on and left me—we're um, not back together, no. She ended up not wanting to get back to me uh, with me because I became Christian, which go lo and behold. And I actually thought God's gonna heal this marriage. God's gonna heal this marriage. And it was eight, it was six years of that. She jumped from relationship to relationship, uh, and then she ended up getting pregnant by someone else, and that's when I felt God saying, it's time to step away. It's time for something new. And then God did a whole new thing with my current wife, and I'm telling you, it was amazing. It was amazing. I became new. Everything I did before I was saved was done, over. I became a new creation, and it wasn't anything I did. It was who I knew, it was who I was getting to know. It was the intimacy that I was diving into where every waking hour was worth seeking him out. And you have family? Yes. Seek him with them. We have no excuse. You're busy at work? Great. Seek him there. He's everywhere. We Mentalities, we got to change. We got to pull this idea out, well, I only have time to do this on Sunday. Dude, this is not the big show. This should be the smallest thing that we worry about. What we need to worry about is the other six days a week. Where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we diving into? What are we feeding ourselves? What am I hiding from God that he already knows about, by the way? It's like we just became in the garden. We just became aware we were naked. It wasn't saying we weren't naked. God's like, hey, who told you that? Oh, I have shame. Who told you shame? I said you don't have shame anymore. Come on. We don't have any excuses. We need to dive into his intimacy in a whole new level. And I'm just sharing my testimony to say, I know everybody has a different testimony, but I know, I know what it's like to be bad. I know what it's like to be far away from God, but I also know the forgiveness and grace he gave me. I'm a pastor now. Dude, that blows my mind. I look at scripture and think, well, this should disqualify me. And God's like, no, that was before you were saved. Why does that count? Uh Oh, a new creation. A new creation. I mean, that's all I can God will do these things in you. I mean, there is nothing you can't do with him. There is nothing. So get this mentality out, stand on the rock, and realize the gates of hell are not going to prevail. Just put your feet on the rock. He's made it so easy. I mean, all he's doing is calling out, come walk with me. Come walk with me. Come walk, get to know me. It even says in that when when it says the Holy Spirit will convict of their sin, what does Jesus say that sin is? Their sin is because they do not know me. He says it's because they don't know me. That's the most important thing. We need to know Him. He's calling us in this intimacy to be one with Him, this intimacy of desiring Him, of calling out to Him, of when times are rough. I'm looking for you, God. I know you're here. This is what he's calling us to. This is a deeper intimacy that's going to change lives, change hearts, and change a nation. It's going to change the world if we step into it. How do I know it did? I've read Acts. It did it then. The love they had for one another was what was growing the church by the thousands daily. Not just the church body, but the church, the ecclesia, all of us. I Don't care what church you go to. We're the church. I'm tired of this division that we put up by walls. I'm tired of it. We need to tear these walls down. I'm not saying everybody needs to hear the same pastor. No, go to your shepherd. But I think the shepherds need to wake up and realize that this is not what we teach here, but you might need it. It's taught over there. Stop with this filling up seats and numbers. Stop. The only numbers we need to worry about is who believes and who knows him, not where they go. And I love that Chris and I are on the same page with that. Like last night at our church, I had Justin from the River of Life preach at our church. You know why? I don't care what you preach for my church as long as it's about Jesus. You may not believe in the gifts the way I do. That may mean you're not there yet. Doesn't mean you're wrong. Just maybe you're not there yet. How are you going to believe it? Well, see what happens. I could tell you all about it, what the scriptures say. Don't forbid speaking in tongues. That must mean we shouldn't forbid that, right? Some people do. Well, it's because they don't understand it. So let's dive into that, okay? Come share this. It's a whole different message. But anyway, get back on track. I'm going to finish this. I had a word for you guys. Um, The word was the. All right, have a good day. (laughs) Um, You know, I I wrote this down uh, on Friday after I did that, uh, my whole sermon. And yeah, I'm just going to say it. I feel like God is saying, during the battle, I will sit and eat with you. And you will get to know me more. During the hardships, I will feed you, and you will taste and see that I am good. You stand on the rock because even though the gates of hell will try, they will not prevail because I am the cornerstone that you stand on. Listen, and I will give you strength to endure every hardship, And do so with a newfound joy once you realize how the enemy attacks in vain. I love that. (laughs) Don't worry about who hurt you, who hates you, because, hey, they hated me first. You're going to learn to love like I do deeper ways than ever before. And this love will be a changing factor to the area as I open a portal of authority given by me over your heads. Dive deep into me as I stand knocking, saying, let me in and eat with you and you and me. Stand fast in love and see all that I have said before, I will do. And my word will never return to me void, but it will be accomplished. I feel like God is saying those promises for this church, they're coming. Those personal promises that he had in you, they're coming. Stop focusing on them. Stop hiding in the bushes with that promise, oh, God said this. Or showing it to other, God said this, so respect me. God said this. No. Take it. Hold it. God said it. Set in stone. Let's live. God said you're going to be healed. Set in stone. Live. God said you're going to be well off. Great. Take it. Set it in stone. Don't worry about it. God said it. Step into it. There's a thing with imagination and faith that are hand in hand, by the way. Just imagine it. God says it; it's already so up here. Until it becomes so in the physical, I'm going to live as my God says I am. I am forgiven. I live forgiven in faith. That even I'm going to mess up. Some of you know. Some of you know I mess up more than others. Maybe I don't know. I know I mess up a lot, but yet God's grace pulls me out every time because I am forgiven. And eventually, I'm not going to mess up on that anymore because I'm open and honest with God about my mess-ups, saying, hey, here I am, intimacy, intimate, naked before you. I might need you here. I might need you here because it's dirty here and here. So I need you there. But through the hardships, I'm not saying there's hardships coming. I'm saying that through the hardships, you're going to find some joy that you never knew possible because the joy of the Lord is our strength and it's going to get us through every single thing that we need and have to do because he's doing it with us. I really thank you guys for listening to me. I hope I'm invited back someday. And if, if you don't like me, that's fine. You don't have to come hear me again. Uh, I love every one of you here, and, and I, I, some of you I don't know, but I love you. I would love to get to know you. And I would love to do more things with this church. I I think picnics and eating together is something we should all do all the time. I love food, as you can tell. I don't lift weights that much. Unless it's a donut. It's table muscle. I love eating, and I'm not saying I'm so spiritual because I eat so I get to know people. I might have a problem with some food. (laughs) It's okay. God's working on me. I say that a lot and things I'm not ready to uh, admit. But... God's moving in all of us, and it's that joy that gives us the strength to move through it. Read your scriptures, but more importantly, seek God in those scriptures. Look at what those are and say, God, how do you want me to read this? How are you in this? What are you saying in this? Always make it about him. I don't even care if it's Jesus wept. There's a whole sermon on that, by the way. So let's get started. Thank you guys for taking the time and having me here. It is an honor and a blessing to be up here. Love on your pastor. Your pastor is an amazing man of God. He forgave a man like me who really hurt him a lot. You guys are in a great place here. So be blessed and thankful with your pastor. I know him and I butt heads on things, and it's fun. I'm sure he butts heads on things with all of you, but love that man. Support and honor that man. Get to know that man. Uh, uh, I know intimacy is different per people, but work on it. We don't all have to know each other so greatly that way, but we do not have to know the God that's in them. And in knowing him, you're gonna be drawn closer to all of them. I'm just saying you guys are so blessed with the pastor you have. And I I know some of you might say, well, if he loved us so much, why would you put you here? Just kidding. (laughs) But I love you. Thank you for listening to me. And I really hope this blessed you all. And thank you. Are you going to come on up? Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, Or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you.